0: This morning, of course, we had uh, the opportunity to uh, participate in the baptism of Ethan, and as we said before, it's a special moment in the life of a family. It's a special moment in the life of a church community, and uh, our de- our denomination or our corner of the faith has several of these sort of life stage moments that frame uh, a spiritual life, and these moments are important. They're a moment. They're important in. The spiritual formation of a child, they're important uh, for the spiritual formation of a church community as well. And if you look, almost all faith traditions have these life benchmarks, these sort of coming of age moments for uh, the youngest in our congregation. Well, Jesus Christ was born into one of those faith traditions, he was born into ancient Judaism. And ancient Judaism had, had then, and still does today, uh, several of these spiritual benchmarks that come with a birth of a child. And so in Jesus' day, there was circumcision, which marked a child off uh, f- as a part of that covenant community. Uh, there was a cleansing ritual from Mary that she would have to go through, Uh, She would be uh, deemed unclean because of the nature of a birth, and she would have to go to the temple and uh, present an offering. Our passage tells us that she presented two turtle doves as her offering, a sign to all of us that, that she and Mary and Joseph were poor. They didn't have really any money at all. And so there was that cleansing ritual. Then there was the naming ceremony. So, all these sort of rituals that occasioned a birth and all of them took place in the temple in Jerusalem, which was the center of the Jewish faith. So Mary and Joseph, being faithful Jews, brought Jesus to the temple for this ceremony. And uh, Luke chapter 2 tells us what happened as they were in the temple. So I'm going to be reading uh, from Luke chapter 2 and I'm going to be reading from verses uh, 22 Uh, Through verse 40. So this is God's word. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to, speak of, him to, to all, uh, speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him this is god's word let's pray father speak to our hearts through your word uh, we trust the promises that are said in the scriptures about your word that that when it is uh, proclaimed when it is meditated upon it never comes back empty it never comes back void So we pray that as we encounter your living word this morning, that you would mold and shape us more and more into your image, that we would understand the gospel in a deeper way, and that we would hear your voice here this morning. So speak to us as we we meditate on your word now. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. This is uh, obviously the second chapter of uh, the gospel of Luke. And if you ever, ever read the Gospel of Luke, really from uh, start to finish, you'll see that, that Luke has a tactic. He really is uh, committed to showing how people respond to Jesus. And one of the things that you learn very quickly is that Jesus was a very polarizing figure, and because he was polarizing, there were lots of different responses to Jesus. That was true of his entire life, but it was certainly true uh, of his birth as well. And so Luke takes this strategy as he writes his account of Jesus, and I think the big question that Luke wants his readers to ask is a very important one. How will you respond to Jesus? Look at all these different responses to Jesus. How are you going to respond to Jesus? And that was important for Luke's first hearers, but that question is remarkably important for us as well whenever we think of Jesus Christ and the nature of his ministry. One of the things that we've seen throughout the the sort of Christmas season is that for many, the arrival of Jesus Christ, and Luke paints this pretty picture, uh, the arrival of Jesus Christ brought about the response of wonder, It's called amazement in this passage, but you see it all throughout Luke's birth narratives that Jesus arrives and people are amazed. They are struck by the sheer wonder of it all. You get the sense that Mary and Joseph were in a perpetual state of wonder throughout this entire birth narrative and probably throughout their entire lives. You read about the shepherds who uh, hear an announcement from the angels. They, They follow a star. They find a baby just as they were instructed. And what are they struck by? They are struck by amazement. They are struck by wonder. Well, our passage this morning tells us about two other people who were also captured by amazement and wonder at the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a culture that is um, uh, particularly protective of babies, and I think rightly so, right? Uh, We warn our kids, uh, be careful of strangers, be wary of strangers, and that's probably a good thing for us as parents to do. I can remember uh, one time when Beck and I were, were first parents and we were, I think we were in Target or some store like that, uh, some stranger came up to us out of nowhere and said, can I hold your baby? I love babies. Can I hold your baby? And we said, no, you can't hold our baby. You can look, uh, but no touch here. Well, think about that in the context of Mary and Joseph because Mary and Joseph are in the temple and what are they approached by? They're approached by two strangers, and what those strangers said filled them with incredible wonder, and the strangers themselves were in amazement and wonder as well. The first stranger was a man named Simeon. And we don't know a whole lot about Simeon. Some people think that he was a a part of the Jerusalem council, that he was an important man in that first uh, century culture. But really all we know about Simeon is what Luke tells us. It tells us that he was a devout man, that he was righteous, Uh, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is a, a fancy way of saying that he was waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. He was anticipating it. He was looking forward to it. Luke also tells us that the presence of the Holy Spirit was strong with him. It was very powerful in his life and that he had received a very unique promise from God that he would not die before his eyes would behold the coming of the Messiah. So, Simeon is in the temple, and then Mary, Joseph, and Jesus Christ walk into the temple, and the Holy Spirit stirs the heart of Simeon, and he knows immediately that this is it. This is what he has been waiting for. And so he runs up to Mary and Joseph, he catches the baby in his arms, and he declares with joy, my eyes have seen your salvation. He breaks into a prophetic and poetic song celebrating the arrival of the Messiah. The second stranger that is mentioned is a woman, and we don't know much about her in our passage either. Uh, Her name is Anna, And what we learn is that she's had a pretty tough life. She was uh, widowed at a very young age, which would have made her incredibly vulnerable uh, in ancient society. And what we also know is that Anna was probably up there in age. Um, Commentators have looked at this passage, and they've said that she's probably somewhere between 84 years of age on the young side— and some think she could be as many as 120 years old when all this is taking place. So, so Anna's a little up there in age, uh, but what you learn about Anna is that she's a worshiper. That whenever the temple was open, she was there with much prayer and fasting spending day and night in prayer and fasting and worshiping in the temple so that when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph walk into the temple, she immediately knows that the redemption of God had arrived. And so both Simeon and Anna recognized Jesus for who he was. They both saw the salvation of God in the eyes of this young baby and both of them were captured by sheer wonder as a result. I want you to think about your life and think about moments in your life where maybe you've been captured by sheer wonder. I can think of a few moments in my life. I can think of my wedding day being a day of wonder, just being just so blown away that someone would commit their life to me and experiencing uh, just the power of love in the sheer uh, moment of uh, a wedding and a marriage and just being moved by it. I can think of the birth of each one of my kids and being filled sort of with terror uh, at what I've gotten myself into here and, and the prospect of raising a child, but also being just struck by the sheer wonder of it all. We can understand scientifically how children are conceived and raised and nurtured and born, but to witness the birth of a child is to be captured by sheer wonder. And so all of us have those sort of big wonder moments in our lives but really there are smaller wonder moments that each day uh, we miss often. Sometimes we catch them, uh, sometimes we miss them. Think about the wonder that we should feel at the the rise of a sun each day or the setting of the sun each day, the majesty of a lightning storm, the compassion of a stranger, the, the beauty of relationships that God gives us. You see, all these things should inspire daily wonder from each and every one of us, but often those moments just go by uh, unnoticed in our lives each day. Well, for Simeon and Anna, the arrival of the Savior instilled in them a sense of sheer wonder. This wasn't just an everyday little wonder that they should have. This was a defining moment, a moment of sheer wonder in their hearts, in their lives. And when you think about it, friends, this is exactly what Jesus should do for each one of us as well. What we learn is that Jesus came, that he served, that he suffered, that he died, that he was resurrected on the third day, and that he did all of it because he loves each and every one of us. He loves you. He loves me. He did it to secure a right relationship with you and I, and whenever we contemplate it, whenever we are confronted with the message of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ, it should instill wonder in each and every one of us. And so the birth of Jesus caused many people to wonder, but of course that wasn't everyone's Response: Jesus, after all, was a very polarizing figure. So not everyone was in amazement. Not everyone was in wonder. Others felt a very different response. And what we see from the birth narrative is that some felt threatened by the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm counting correctly, this is the, the fourth or the fifth day of Christmas, And uh, on the fourth or fifth day of Christmas is what is celebrated uh, as the Feast of the Holy Innocents. In the Western Church, I believe it was celebrated on uh, December 27th, which was yesterday. In the Eastern Church, uh, the Orthodox tradition, uh, it is celebrated today. In fact, I even have an image for you of this Feast of the Holy Innocents. This was called The Massacre of the Innocents. It was painted uh, in uh, 1824 by a a French guy who I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but you can see in this image that it's a very intense moment in this birth narrative, this very uh, palpable moment of fear and terror in the birth narrative. Well, what this image and what this passage reminds us is the response of Herod, that Herod wasn't Captured by wonder, that Herod wasn't in a a perpetual state of amazement, but Herod was threatened by the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew is the only one that tells us about Herod's response. What we know about Matthew is that that Herod was uh, a Jewish ruler uh, of the day, that he was a particularly bloodthirsty uh, ruler. He was always looking for opportunities to sort of consolidate his power. Uh, his power was granted to him. It was, he was, bo- it was borrowed power uh, from the Romans. The Romans were in charge. They gave a certain measure of power to Herod. And so because his his power was borrowed, he was a bit of a paranoid personality. He was so paranoid that history tells us that he actually had three of his own sons slaughtered because they threatened his own authority and his own powerful rule. And so when these wise men come to visit Herod, these strangers from the east come to visit Herod, telling him that a new king has been born, Herod doesn't feel really good about this. He feels threatened. He, he feigns interest Uh, He even feigns worship and submission, but really he feels threatened because he refused in his own life to bow to another king. And so he uh, enacts a decree that all male children in that region were to be executed. And so we have no idea how many male children were actually killed in Jerusalem and in that region, but we can just imagine the pain and the loss that each one of those parents felt as their children were snatched away from them and killed in their presence. The Christmas story, after all, has a really bloody chapter to it, and it all centers around Herod's response to the birth of a new king. Now, what's interesting about all this is this. You see, Herod, in many ways, recognized some of the same things that Simeon and Anna recognized they all recognized that the birth of Jesus meant a new day. They all recognized that it changed everything, that a new kingdom had had come and a new king was now enthroned on that kingdom. And so for Simeon and Anna, that brought about wonder. But for Herod, it instilled fear and violence and brutality. Either way, everyone recognized that everything had changed that nothing could ever be the same again. And so Herod's recognition here is partially right. What he does about the recognition certainly isn't right, but his recognition is at least partially right because Jesus does change things. Jesus changes the authority structure of our world. Jesus changes the authority structure of our lives. We no longer rule. Instead, Jesus Christ is the one who rules. And so I think when it comes to Jesus, many people today are a bit like Herod. They might not have the bloodthirsty brutality of Herod, but they might think similar things that he did. They recognize Jesus, but they choose to reject him. Maybe they even feel threatened by him because they don't want to live under the authority of another person, because they recognize that Jesus threatens their own self-rule and their own self-orientation. They read the scriptures and they understand exactly what following Jesus means, and they want no part of it whatsoever. So they reject him Others would rather embrace maybe a watered-down version of Jesus and Jesus' claims. They want to accept part of what Jesus teaches, but they still want to retain control of their lives. But sadly, Jesus never leaves that open to us. And so we see, not only in our passage, but also in our world, that there are many responses to the person who of Jesus Christ. But perhaps one of the most dangerous responses, we don't necessarily see it in our passage this morning, but we see it all over. Perhaps most of the one of the most dangerous responses to Jesus is sort of no response at all. Or it's the response of apathy. You see, apathy is the shrug of life. It it misses the the polarizing power of Jesus' words. Apathy incorrectly diagnoses why Jesus came. Apathy diagnoses the arrival of Jesus in all sorts of watered-down ways, or it believes that the claims of Jesus really don't mean anything to our lives whatsoever, that Jesus is somehow irrelevant to how I live my life day in and day out. Ellie Weisel, the, the writer um, and Jewish scholar, understood the, the, the dangers of apathy. He said this the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference or apathy. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. And this might be the most important thing. The opposite of faith is not heresy, but the the opposite of faith is apathy or indifference. You see, so many in our world take simply a lukewarm or an apathetic approach about Jesus. And what is so tragic about that is that that apathy will only lead them down the road of judgment. So apathy is a dangerous response to the person of Jesus Christ. But one of the things we also have to come to terms with is this, and we have to face this, that even we as God's people can become apathetic about Jesus too. And the scriptures talk about this problem as well. This apathy is when it sets in when the essentials of the faith, things like prayer, things like scripture, things like worship, when the essentials of the faith wind up feeling irrelevant to how we live our daily lives. And when that apathy sets in, Our wonder is replaced by boredom, and our passion is replaced by lethargy. And so that's why, friends, we all need a fresh work of God's Spirit. We need that same Spirit that visited Simeon and Anna. We need that same Spirit to shine into our hearts. We need to honestly see again the nature of our own sinfulness. We need to to see again the majesty of Christ's birth and his death and his resurrection. We need to see again the power of the forgiveness of sins and the life of faith. We need Jesus to be born again in our hearts today. We need a fresh work of his spirit. So friends, the challenge is this, to see Jesus for who he is. And as we look into his faith, this is what Luke wants us to ask. As we look into the faiths of Jesus, what will our response be? What will your response be? What will my response be? Will we remain stuck in apathy? Will we feel threatened by his claims and his demands? will we reject Jesus or will the Spirit of God stir in our hearts wonder again? Let's pray.